watch me hit the <clears throat> cray button. Oh, that's like <laughs> Family Force 5? It is. That's on my kids' playlist. They love that song. Watch me hit the cray button. Oh it's on CBU Basketball. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Legible Church Podcast, where we help churches focus on clarity, transparency, and targeted communication. My name's Maria. I'm back with two of my best friends. Mm -hmm. What's up, guys? Oh, dang. Upgrade from previous episodes. That puts us in, sounds like we're in top three now. Yeah, seriously. Whoa. Sorry, all the other males. (laughs) I have a few men in my life. Not in that way. That sounded bad. Well... (laughs) Have men in your life, whichever way you, you want. You know what I mean. Brothers, dad, best yeah. friends. Yeah. <laughs> don't say that. That's the way we can. So we can. We don't have to pay royalties if I sing the song uh, because there's, you know, two things. Licensing one, fees. I'm not getting the melody right or the rhythm. <laughs> that's true. No one yeah. knows what you just sang. <laughs> so that's Justin, and there's Dex, and yeah. we're, we're kind of beating around the bush yeah. a little bit because this episode is yep. the one where we swing for the fences. Yes, we're excited. Yeah. yeah. This we is, we are three different people yeah. with a lot of different thoughts about church, and we're going to enter into this episode, and we're going to talk about specifically reworking our worship services, like the gatherings that church have on the weekends. Yeah. And it's just going to be a conversation, um, and we've been thinking about these things for a long time. Yeah. Um, a long time. We've talked about it as, as friends, as teammates, and we're excited to just open it up. And talk about mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Some of these things, I think Justin and I, that's probably, what, three years ago? Yeah. Somewhere around there? Yeah. Three or four years ago that we're both kind of contemplating, okay, what what sort of stuff could we, should we be doing differently? And we got way out there with some thoughts. And it, it just so happened to coincide right around the same time. Um, and so some of this is just continuing to think through some of those things. Mm-hmm. A lot of what we're talking about, we fully understand is in a vacuum, right? We're not on church staff anymore. So we definitely have the freedom to think bigger and broader uh, and be futurists uh, somewhat. These are non-traditional, uh, unexpected, and untethered thoughts. This mm-hmm. has nothing to do with we don't we're we're not thinking about how your budget's going to be impacted by these things, how your attendance is going to be impacted. Well, I take that back. We are considering how your attendance yes. is going to be impacted by these things. Um, but we're not thinking about your board or sister so-and-so who's going to have a problem if you didn't do the thing that you've always been doing. <clears throat> this has nothing to do with that. It's just big, broad, out there sort of thinking that we do think is a futurist's perspective mm-hmm. on what it's going to require for churches to uh, increase their impact as opposed to decreasing over time. I think that the, the typical church idea is that church attendance is the fault of a culture that continues to move further and further mm-hmm. away from God. They just hate church, don't care about church, don't care about uh, uh, morality, and, and understand that I fully know that that is the progression of culture over time. I understand that as an actual fact and and seeing that, obviously, in my own life. But I think that just thinking that 
prevents churches from making any changes or any any adjustments at all. And the challenge is we've got churches now in 2019 going into 2020 that are still doing church like they did it in 1920, mm-hmm. right. 1930. Right. Open the doors, show up, sing a few songs. 1830. Talks, 1830. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it... it, it the, the, there's more lights and there's smoke and there's fancier names and people are using Sanceros for their logo. Like there's all of that, all of those sorts of changes have happened, but really the core the essence of how we do what we do and what we are thinking about when we talk about gathering hasn't changed as all other things have changed. And so maybe it's worth thinking through some of those things. This episode is really less about, behavioral change. Uh, you know, we just yeah. uh, did an episode about money where it's like, you can make this change this weekend and, and your behavior can change this weekend. This episode is less about that. There's not going to be five points. There's not going to be, you know, here's how to do these things. This is going to be more about changing your thinking. How do you think about the weekends? What sort of things can you factor into your own context? And so uh, uh, Justin has uh, a, a big, huge thought that every time we talk about it, I'm more and more uh, just curious mm-hmm. about it and about uh, how, how it works. I've got my own thoughts about weekend stuff. You've got your own thoughts, Maria, about weekend stuff. Maybe if we've got time, we'll get into some real sort of tangible, like here's some actual tangible mm-hmm. things that you can do. These aren't big ideas. These are just how you can get through weekend planning, you know, programming and that sort of stuff a bit uh, simpler. Um, but really this idea, this, this episode is big, 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 big thoughts. So I'm an obsessive podcast listener. You guys make fun of me for this all the time. I listen to like, I subscribe to like 75 different podcasts. I listen to each week. 1.68 speed. That's what I make fun of you for. Because I love podcasts too, but that is crazy. That's how you consume. Hit the cray button right there. (laughs) (laughs) So one particular day, I I was driving away from... um, some sort of meeting conversation talking about church attendance and not specifically uh, at any particular church, but really across the United States, Protestant churches with their, their, the, the general consensus is that church attendance is on a pretty significant decline. And it has been over the last, I don't know, 10 or 15 years, uh, been, been increasing. You know, you, you actually see a lot of mega churches like the, the, those guys are growing up uh, really, really substantially. But lots of small congregations are shutting their doors, closing down their facilities, throwing in the towel, those kinds of things. My own parents' church went through this probably about five years ago where my dad was serving as elder on the board and attendance just kind of weaned down Mm -hmm. uh, so little that it really just didn't make sense for them to kind of keep moving forward. So they sold the facility and moved on and merged in and joined up with another church. So I had all those conversations. And then I heard this podcast where there was an economist talking essentially about the basics of supply and demand in in capitalism, right? Mm -hmm. And what he was doing was comparing and contrasting why is it that Barnes & Noble has survived when Borders bookstores had not. They had recently uh, filed for bankruptcy, closed down all their last facilities. You guys know the the coolest outdoor Mm -hmm. mall in Riverside where we live. They used to have a Borders bookstore. And I think right now it's one of those Halloween pop-up shops where Mm -hmm. you can go and you can get a costume. And the economist was was really kind of just laying down the basic rules of supply and demand. And because of the, the conversation I had just come from, these two things started hitting and slamming in, into my head. You know, when we look at this idea of church attendance being in decline, a lot of um, uh, the research and the, the reasoning that are used for that are things like the millennial generation. Millennials, am I right? 
uh, <laughs> raging against institutions, whether oh, that's God, government that's nice. yeah. or the church, whatever, right? Following in the steps of Generation X, which was mm-hmm. kind of a, an, an anti-generation, you know, you know, then you have um, maybe a, a lot of blame is placed on just how busy and hectic our lives are right now. You know, most families are dual income, if any income. Mm-hmm. Um, most families feel pressure to have their kids in all kinds of activities, which means at most you've got two, maybe three nights a week for free. So maybe it's some of the pressure and the the blame is put on the over prioritization of children and and really uh, idolizing children. You know, I've I've heard sermons on idolizing children before, and that is a reason that church uh, attendance has been in overall decline. But really, in a lot of the research and the reading and and the looking around that I've done, I don't see a ton of self-critique and self-introspection about the church, capital C church in America, and really exploring if there's any responsibility that can be taken for Mm -hmm. the church and for the attendance. Right now, we we cannot simply blame the closure of Borders bookstores on Amazon and the Kindle, because just last week, I went into Barnes & Noble and bought four paper physical books that we picked up off the shelf. For my children, right? We it, we can't entirely blame digital um, shopping and consuming of content when <clears throat> I know for a fact that there's stores that are continuing to function as a bookstore. So if we're going to be real and honest, we got to say, well, Borders obviously missed something, right? They didn't get something right that Barnes and Noble did. I don't have a, a hot take or a theory on exactly what that is, but I do think this this idea of saying, let's see if we can figure out what it looks like to take some responsibility. Mm-hmm. And when I heard this, this kind of this, uh, the context of supply and demand, and I started thinking about that in the context of the church, and I'm just going to specifically focus on like American church, right? Yeah. So when the, we got our, the pilgrims coming over here, raging against the machine of the feudal uh, economic system and the, the uh, kings and queens and coming over here to start uh, America. And this idea of building up these little tiny churches were happening. Mm-hmm. And if you were to walk into it, let's say uh, Anabaptist church or mm-hmm. a- any one of these churches years ago, the stereotypical Puritan style church, you're going to walk into church and you're going to see some sort of man up there at the front yeah. calling the church to worship. Maybe you have a scripture reading um, and then we move into worship if there's an organ or a piano or maybe it's just acapella because there's no instruments mm-hmm. before you get into another man, maybe the same man teaching God's word. And then you have some closing thoughts. Perhaps you partake in the sacraments. Maybe somebody gets baptized down by the river and that's where you get the good old gospel songs as everybody's marching on down to the river for the <laughs> baptism. Right. And then you're like, oh, this is a cool part of church. Uh, and then maybe it's going to close. You're going to close church and they're going to tell you, here's what's happening. Uh, in the community this week, right? Of course, you got to have your announcements. Let's just walk into church last Sunday morning, right? There was somebody up on stage just talking to you and saying, hey, welcome to church. We're, we're, we're glad you're here. Stand up and worship. You've got people leading you in singing. You've got someone teaching. And really the pinnacle of the church service is about the information being communicated in the sermon, mm-hmm. right? That That is a kind of the focal point of the service. Even if it's uh, structured a little bit differently, right? If your service order is structured, maybe you open with the sermon and close with worship or wh- whatever. Most churches, when you just take a look at the amount of time being dedicated to the specific things that a church could do when they're gathered, the sermon is the most important thing here. And if, if we flash all the way back to when churches were just getting started in the United States, 
I think this makes a ton of sense, right? Because one thing that was in very, very short supply was quality Bible teaching. People, mm-hmm. you know, preachers, theologians, people who understood and could read God's word mm-hmm. and communicate it in a way that applies to your life. Right. If we if we flash forward now, that is no longer in limited supply. You know, every single church has a podcast out there on the internet. Every just about every single topic mm-hmm. could yeah. be it, that could be covered is available on YouTube as a sermon. Not only is the supply just all, virtually unlimited, it's also almost instantaneous, right? Right. I could pick up this phone right now. And before I'm done finishing the sentence, I could be watching a sermon on, you know, uh, what to do when you feel like you've been over-disciplining your children or something along those lines, right? right. Be- because we've, we've, we've gone through this whole felt needs preaching movement. Everything out there has mm-hmm. been covered. But the, the church itself is still building an experience around the sermon. So this really made me think, well, then, what could we do with our weekend services to drastically narrow the supply if we look at church attendance and the way that it's declined? You know, back back in the day, the, 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 the supply of quality Bible teaching, that's why you got the circuit riders. You know, you've got these men who would ride around right. on their horses and preach at multiple churches on a weekend, yeah. show up at another one and do a Monday night revival, yeah. right? Because they had nobody to preach in their Traveling church Traveling evangelists, yeah. Exactly. There's n- Now, there's literally no need for that. So then the question is, well, what is it that we could do as a church? And this is a big one. This is where you lead, you lead pastors got to think about this one here. What is it that we could do with our weekend services that would change what it is that we're offering the people who attend our church or visit our church such that we're drastically narrowing the supply on what we offer, therefore increasing its value? Now, I realize this sounds very much just like a business strategist talking about the church. Mm -hmm. Um, Hmm. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to respond to that or make a good comeback to that, other than saying, "Let's think about this." Though the response, the general response to that is, "Well, of course, the service should be built around the preaching the and teaching of God's word." Right? It's yeah. like, mm-hmm. uh, how are they uh, here yeah, the if there no one's, yeah. you know? So, speak about that just a bit more. Understanding that, of course, YouTube. Uh, uh, I mean, there's, 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 uh, uh, you know, channels, there's, there's a 24 hour a day church channels and all that sort of stuff. So your point about supply and demand makes mm-hmm. a whole lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, aside from that point, what would the impact be to the average churchgoer if the focus was less on the message and more on what? Okay. So here's, I want to come back to closing the gap on what do we do with teaching, right? Because a pastor and elders of a church have a responsibility to exhort and admonish their people and to lead and shepherd their church. Um, But what if instead of focusing on that as being the primary focus of our weekend services, we instead focus on really doing something that is totally different. And my idea and thought and something I would love to see a church push deep and hard into is saying, we're going to de-emphasize the time and importance and significance we place on the teaching specific teaching moment 
so that we can create more of a sacred experience in the context of community. I think in our modern digital information age, right, the one thing that I, as a churchgoer, cannot get on my own, I can pull up worship when I need to during the week, and I can sing along with mm-hmm. the latest from Hillsong, Bethel Elevation, uh, Upper Room, mm-hmm. or good old Michael W. Smith, yeah. okay? Him Sorry, down. I just listed all the white people church bands. I know you guys know that real gospel music where Jesus, <laughs> Jesus down name Down by the riverside. Yes. You know where his name is lifted truly high. Right? I, so I can put that on, right? <laughs> I, I can put that on and I can have a worshipful moment um, or not just a moment, but I can have a, a meaningful time of worship, right? I can uh, get the teaching and all these things. The, one of the things that I can't do is just the communal aspect of gathering with brothers and sisters, fellow believers mm-hmm. um, and members of Christ's church and having a sacred communal experience mm-hmm. as we try and honor God and figuring out what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know all of the specifics of what it would look like, but conceptually, I think if we were to figure out how to pull back the importance of the message on our weekend service, whether you have 60 minutes of time to gather on the weekends or 90 minutes or two hours, w- mm-hmm. what if we scale that back so that we can create the context and uh, to do something sacred and communal? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. J- Justin and I, uh, we were in Montana having a conversation, have, having an open conversation with a few pastors around a campfire in the middle of night in Montana with stars all in the sky. It was beautiful and incredible. Uh, and we had a blast. And a so, FOMO. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're just sort of having this this same exact conversation, just big what if, oh, what if this, what if that, mm-hmm. and everybody's sort of chiming in. And a few weeks later, one of the pastors that we were sitting there with respond it back and go, Hey, I I cut my message down to 20 minutes and we allowed people to share their testimony. And it was incredibly powerful for our church to be able to hear someone, not me talk about how God works in their life. And the next week he said, we're planning on doing, I forget the thing that he said he was planning on doing the next week. He goes, but next week we're going to do the same thing, but we're planning on doing this, you know, filling this time with this other thing. Uh, To me, the big idea, every time I hear you talk about this, the big idea is really not so much about the importance of God's word or the Mm -hmm. importance of teaching versus the importance of something else. Even though that's, that's how you state it. Just, just my own, how my own brain is sort of processing it. Not so much about the importance of it, but man, how can we increase the importance of things that people can't get elsewhere? How can we how can we uh, uh, create this communal, the sacredness of uh, of those moments, and and that sacredness looks different in different contexts. Some of it, it is the sacraments. It is really, really being patient uh, and taking the time necessary to. Uh, uh, you know, have uh, a communion together and to Mm -hmm. actually share stories of the impact of the life and the death Mm -hmm. and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's a church that was Mm -hmm. at recently, maybe it was your church where they were taught. No, 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 I'm sorry. It was a a different church where they they do their communion uh, in homes sort of as a part of small group with, you know, a focused sort of note that goes out to all of the small groups. And it's an actual meal. You know, one of the guys I was talking to says, yeah, we spend, it's like three and a half hours for communion. Most churches I go to, it's, it's the second half of a worship song. You yeah, know, you sort of do a worship song while everything is getting passed out, and then here's a body of Christ, here's this, and you know, you sort of drink and chew, and then mm-hmm. move on with the whole rest of the service. It definitely doesn't allow the time necessary for something 
called a sacrament to mm-hmm. feel like it's really sacred. It's a big, huge idea. Um, when, when, when you think about the sacred, when you talk about sacred, for you personally, what does that sacred moment look like and feel like? Right. You know, you, you just said sacred and sacrament. And I realized, whoa, those two words. I'm Again, hmm. I'm not a Bible teacher, pastor. Or any, <laughs> I don't have any of those things. I got to ask my brother who's got his all his degrees. I, I just now occurred to me that those things are connected. Um, please keep listening to our podcast and support <laughs> Legible Church. <laughs> Right. Those are, those are some of them, right? Just, just the, the moment of taking the Lord's Supper and what can't, the experience that can be crafted and built around that, right? Yes. The time to slow down. Yes. And the time to reflect. Exactly. Yeah. The time to reflect on a couple of things. The meaning of that particular sacrament, the symbology that's going on there, um, the mm-hmm. time to reflect on the teaching that that Jesus mm-hmm. uh, gave us about that moment, the time mm-hmm. that, you know, the rest of the New Testament follows up in. Um, bringing additional context for the meaning of that service, the time to mm-hmm. reflect on the actual work that happened that's not just the symbol, the time to, um, you know, look into our own hearts and think about the idea of confession, mm-hmm. those kinds of things, um, writing relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, w- when's the last time we as a church have said, hey, you know, this is one of the things that the scripture tells us. We need to really make sure that we're right with mm-hmm. other brothers and sisters. Yeah. Before um, we enter the house of God for worship. Exactly. Right. So let's create a little bit of context for that. And mm-hmm. no, no pressure, but if you need to figure it out, like what, what if what if a church, instead of saying, hey, silence your phones and make sure you put your phones away. Like what if we, what if we said, hey, we're getting ready to take the Lord's Supper. You know, think back this last week. Do you have a coworker or a neighbor yeah. or a a member so of your good. family. Scroll through you, your texts. Exactly. And find yes. that place where you really blew it this yes. week. Yes. Yeah. Track can, that person. Exactly. Down. And can we begin to try and repair in some relationships? Right. That's just, there's a ton of things that we can do around the Lord's Supper. You know, confession is another, that's yes. something I can't do on my own as a believer. Yes. I can mm-hmm. confess to God, but right. James mm-hmm. 5, 16 talks, yeah, tells us to, to confess another. one to another. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something I can't do uh, all by myself. Uh, why not figure out a way to work that yes. into a worship experience? I, I don't know what that looks like. That's why this is a big, yeah. uh, big idea. It's a big problem to be solved. You know, baptism is another another one of those things, right? We do this in the presence mm-hmm. of other believers. That's a really incredible moment that mm-hmm. happens in the life of someone that can be really, really celebrated and l- mm-hmm. look at stories, uh, like, like look at someone's story into what has caused them to make this particular mm-hmm. decision today? Is this, you know, is this new person who's joining our body and declaring mm-hmm. publicly their commitment to Jesus? Is there any sacrifice that, mm-hmm. that's coming alongside this in their life that we as a, mm-hmm. a, a community should know about, be inspired by, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there, there, there are a bunch of these different sacraments that I think that we could put time into mm-hmm. um, or even some of the different spiritual disciplines, just creating the space to practice those mm-hmm. in the context of one another, I, I think to me, those yeah. are some of the things that pop in my mind for what's that's sacred. Some, yeah, that's something, I mean, I'm just going to be honest. I, I think I'm weary of the flashiness of like focusing on, we're going to be talking about this. You got to come join us. And so I show yeah. up to church and we're talking about this, mm-hmm. you know? And I remember when Justin and I were on staff together, we were given a couple of worship service to kind of do what we wanted. So we're like, let's try it. Let's try mm-hmm. this thing. And we added some of those moments. And I long for that in a worship service. And I'm a worship leader. And so I like to, to try to craft a worship set with a lot of meaning and interaction. And I really am 
burdened by this because I want to go to church now and I want to encounter God and I want to encounter my brothers and sisters um, and I want to know what's going on in their life and I want them to know what's going on in my life Mm -hmm. and I want us to be able to pray together. And, you know, it says in in, uh, Colossians to to gather together to edify each other and sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You know, songs, um, I'm kind of weary of the typical, right? Exciting openers, and then we get a slow song before the message, yeah, yeah. and then we do this, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well, what? where are we taking people? What? What's the journey we're on? Should we sing a song of confession together and have a moment of reflection and confession mm-hmm. together? Grab someone next to you. Now, I know that's hard for people who are um, unchurched and they're coming in, and that might be intimidating. But if it's a place where you encounter God and you can't encounter each other, there's so much meaning. And no matter what is happening in someone's life, there's something to be found there. And and we I think there's 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 less opportunity to miss those moments mm-hmm. when you when you have a sacred experience. Mm-hmm. I remember talking to a friend a couple of years ago who who had lost a baby, um, another friend who had been diagnosed with breast cancer, um, and they show up to the house of God. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with clappy songs. Like you can have sacred with, you know, an exciting song mm-hmm. as well. But sometimes you just don't feel that way. And there's so many different contexts going on. And I want, I want the gathering of the people of God to be a place that someone who just got diagnosed with breast cancer and someone who just got promoted and get, got, gave a $20,000 raise to exist in that same place. Mm. and have meaning together mm-hmm. you know and that's that's why i'm so passionate about this and i want to hear i want to hear the pastor the shepherd you know that god has placed up over our souls you know talk about the word of god yes and and explain to us what god is teaching us as a congregation um in, in that moment but i also i also want the whole entire journey to be a journey you know a journey of meaning and and where i can in, encounter god and each other you know yeah. The challenge I think oftentimes churches feel, pastors especially, is the sense that, well, <clears throat> I've only got this one time, you know, I've only got this one time. So I need to pack as much stuff as I can say into this one time, create a bunch of content, you know, for this, 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 uh, this one moment. Um, and that ends up, you start stacking the rest of the needs of the organization on top of it. Well, the children's ministry, they can only, you know, hang on to these kids for so long until they're, they're tearing the walls down. The parking lot's got to change over. You know, you have all of these uh, competing sort of needs. Um, And so figuring out, uh, you know, this is for those of you who are listening, especially you who are pastors for you to be able to, I think that my big takeaway, as I think about this, and if, uh, if I were you, I would be thinking this way. It's really, how do we rethink the weekend so that it is the gathering of believers first. And by that gathering, how do we best serve this gathering? What's the thing that they can only get if they're in this room together? Mm-hmm. It really has nothing to do with the importance of scripture or not. I would even you know, argue that uh, the importance of, uh, of Bible teaching is proven by the fact that there are so many ways to be able to get it. There's yes. so many ways mm-hmm. to be able to not just uh, uh, create content, but to deliver that sort of content. So for you as a pastor, if you're sitting there going, well, the platform's the only time I get to preach a message. I think you're thinking a bit 
too small about the delivery options for messages, especially with the fact that every person is walking around with a content delivery device in their pocket or in their purse right now. You could literally be sending out a message per day via email, text message on your YouTube channel, five hours of a message every single day. If the sense is, I need to talk more and more and more about it. If you could take that same thinking and twist it, you know, sort of revolves that it's less about how you have to get content out and more about what additional content should people be receiving. It may give you an opportunity Mm. to think about what it would mean for people to start attending again on the weekends. And this point that you're making, Justin, I think is, is specific to that point. What is it that is only possible when people are in the room together? Music is possible outside of the room receiving a message or any other additional content is possible outside of the room, but there's only some things that are possible in a room together with other people. To me, that point is very, very, very powerful. You know, you were talking about <clears throat> that pastor who made the change when we, when we were, after we were hanging out with him in Montana, you know, he told us a story about a woman in his church who had been recently diagnosed with cancer That's right. and yeah. she was in the middle of getting all of the, the treatments for this. And his church is of the size where he can kind of look out and see who's there this mm-hmm. weekend, who's not uh, across their services. And he'd noticed that she, as she got deeper into her cancer treatments, her regularity of church attendance was declining. And he and his wife, he said they were having this conversation about, What's going on there? And he's like, well, I, I know she doesn't miss any of her chemo treatments or radiation or, or whatever it is. Like she yeah. doesn't miss those right. because she can't. And the takeaway that he ended up having, and I was like blown away by the humility that he shared here mm-hmm. was, you know, I realized we're not actually offering her anything that she needs in our weekend services. Yeah. And that's where he said he was like, we need to figure out what it looks like mm-hmm. to begin to make some changes. Now, this gets this this can get really tricky, right? Because, well, are we supposed to build weekend services around what the people need or what Mm-mm. what the, yeah, the what the totally. pastor is called and mm-hmm. and all to do? Like, how how do we balance all of those things? Pastors, go to it. Figure that fi- figure that out. <laughs> right. Like, I, I understand that's a challenge, and you know, the thing that we're talking about here is certainly not practical. But neither was doing ministry the way of Paul, right? Building tents all day long and then preaching at night, right? Uh, standing outside people's windows, <laughs> not very practical. <laughs> but it's what had to be done in yeah. order to help the church survive and thrive in a context that was not really mm-hmm. set up and in, and interested in mm-hmm. in what was being communicated there. Yeah. Usually at around this point in the podcast, we're starting to wrap up. We're we're just we're just getting started. <laughs> we're just getting started. So this is gonna uh, this one's gonna be uh, a little longer with some extra bonus content because where where Justin and I agree, and I think the reason that the two of us started thinking about it, Maria has, uh, has been thinking about it as well. But this was years ago when we first started talking about it was really each of us are trying to figure out what is essential for church membership, understanding that, or essential for church attendance, sorry. Understanding that attendance is essential to the growth of every believer. I I personally, personally am not convinced that a person can have a growing, thriving relationship just through a digital delivery format. And there, 100%, 100%, and there are versions of that out there. I just don't think it's it's possible. I think that there are versions of community that are possible online. I think it's a great first step, but I don't think that you will 
that it's possible to thrive in that context. Because I think that there is, mm-hmm. even for a person like me who is introverted, would prefer to not be around people, not hang out with people, not connect with people. There is something to that face-to-face, mm-hmm. you know, doing life together sort of interaction. And so as we were considering that, Justin was thinking about that. And I think churches, here, here's, here's my hot take. I'll explain it first and then, you know, I'll sort of drop the bomb and then I'll, I'll sort of clean up after. I think churches spend too much time developing and focusing on sermon series. Okay. Interesting. I'm just going to let that sit for a second. I'm ready to hear I, I already know that right now the thumbs of some of my very best friends are typing away uh, uh, to send the text. <laughs> um, it, this has nothing to do with the importance of the message or not. I, I actually think that, uh, 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 that that to me is the anchor of a weekend service. I think Justin and I see that part differently. Um, but I think that the time spent on being as predictive as possible of okay. what is going to need to be said to a group of people. Uh, I think that that is a miss. Mm-hmm. Understand this. My position on staff at church uh, for, for 20 years or so has been the person that has generated a year long to 18 month long calendar right. that included message series that, that were predictive of the life, the waves of life and people, you know, uh, the, in the new year that they want to get their life back in track. So they show up in church and then they forget about church and then they remember, oh yeah, there's Easter. So we have to have a great series leading into and out of that. And then they forget about church and then they're gone for the summer and then they come back for the fall. Oh, yeah. The kids are going back to school. Let's get back to our natural rhythm. They come back to church. You got to have a big fall kickoff and then they forget about church again somewhere around Thanksgiving. They remember Jesus was born and so they come back to church again. <laughs> right. So I know this rhythm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And was and and had just gotten down to a bit of a science how to be predictive of those rhythms and how to best create message series and church you know all that sort of stuff and I think for a period that is and was very very important. Hmm. I don't think now the church can compete with culture at the pace that culture is moving. They can't be flex- churches can't be flexible enough if you have already defined in January what you're going to say in June because the world doesn't move at that predictable of a pace. And typically what happens is you end up with at, at, at this challenge over the course of many weekends. I can remember uh, uh, here in Southern California when the San Bernardino uh, shooting happened, how much work it was to dismantle everything that we had considered doing that weekend. Yeah, that happened on a Wednesday morning. Mm-hmm. Happened on a Wednesday morning. We had to completely dismantle yeah. everything that we were thinking about doing that weekend and then completely rebuild it mm-hmm. all from scratch in the matter of a couple of hours because we had already predicted what we were going to talk about that weekend. Mm-hmm. Here's the, 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 the real challenge with that is that because culture moves in a 24-hour cycle, the sense is I think churches will always try to feel this sense of urgency. We've got to keep up with the news and we've got to respond to the news. That has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. Absolutely nothing at all. The big point behind this is I think the church has to flip from the weekend being about serving the needs of the organization that has to change to the weekend being about serving the needs of the congregation. Mm -hmm. 
oftentimes weekends are serving the needs of the organization. We need to talk about these things. We need to communicate these things. We need people to give. We need to get our songs out there. We need to sell some merch. We need to, we need to, we need to, we need to. Mm -hmm. And the weekend becomes a device that is used to serve the needs of the organization. I think culture now, people now, humans now, can see that from a mile away. And if people are walking in just completely wrecked because something has happened in the community and the church goes, ah, we're not going to address that because man, we've got, we, we already planned to talk about marriage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We understand that this, this major thing happened in the community. There was a, a suicide of a major person. There was some, you know, a family that uh, uh, suffered some tragedy, or there was something that the, the community was celebrating, some, some big high point that happened, you know, in the, something that was impactful in the lives of people who are coming into the church. But you go, golly, we already decided that we were going to talk about this thing. Essentially, what you're saying to people as they come in is what we chose to do is more important than what is going to most deeply impact you right now. And I think the church has to figure out how to be flexible enough to do that. Yeah. That's a key word right there. Flexibility. <laughs> yeah. One of the, one of the things that, you know, as I was thinking through this, I went and talked, I we had the benefit of, of having a really, really large staff. So I talked about 50 people in about <laughs> 30 minutes and I asked 50 people, tell me the things that people are most impacted by over the course of their week. And we came up with, if I remember correctly, it was nine things and included things Mm -hmm. like marriage and included things like, you know, uh, uh, parenting your children and then included things like, you know, whatever, all of these, these, these uh, different things, tragedy, heartache, uh, health concerns, whatever. We made this list of just the majority of things that people were talking about. And my thought is, what if if the pastor just focused his, his message time and message prep on these nine things, just continue to come up with messages that address these, these nine things. If you think about the Bible, obviously it talks about all sorts of stuff, marriage and sexuality and, 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 and money and whatever, all of those big sort of deals. Start logging those messages, just have a running post of here's a message about this, a message about this, a message about this, a message about this, so that you're building this library of messages so that when this something happens over the course of the week that directly applies to one of those things, you just grab that message on Thursday or Friday or Saturday, whenever you do your final prep and you have that and you have this opening illustration or some point that you're going to make about the message, but that ties directly to the thing that people are impacted by. Mm -hmm. The challenge with my own thought, and this is something that I do, is just try to talk myself out of things that I already think. The challenge with this thought is that church can become too uh, 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 focused on uh, uh, current events. Mm -hmm. And while I don't think that, I think that is detrimental to a church not focusing enough on their own vision, not focusing enough on what God is doing uh, within that community. So I understand. So I'm not saying is that churches should just pursue uh, any any you know headline that is coming up mm-hmm. uh, over the course of the week. I think church meet NPR. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that ends up becoming a challenge. I do think that if the church is going to effectively compete, wedge its way into the psyche and the heart of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, to really compete with all of the other options of things that are out uh, to, to, to do out there. There's, the church is going to have to rethink 
the delivery device of the weekend and make it less about the church's needs Mm -hmm. to say these things, to do these things, and more about the needs of the people that are coming in. You know, I think with some of the tools and digital options that we have today as a church, like what you're talking about, the potential of, let's say, doing a series on understanding this part of your vision or whatever it is that God is really calling and leading you as a, as a pastor, as a church leader in your church to go through and study. Like, I don't think we need to get rid of all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but what if we figure out a better way to place them? Mm-hmm. You know, every single person, oh, oh here's, here's, here's the deal. So because of the age of my kids, um, we watch a lot of YouTube, right? A lot of YouTube. Yeah. We, we, I watch YouTube with my children, just like I used to watch Nickelodeon when I was a kid, yeah. right? We don't watch shows on there. We watch different channels on YouTube. So many YouTube channels are just amateur people with a really nice camera yeah. and some decent lighting talking straight into the camera mm-hmm. and telling a story or, you know, for my kids, it's like doing a dumb craft or, right. you know, just doing these random things. And it's not this huge, big, fancy production, but it's somebody looking into the eyes of the camera. So w- when my kids are sitting on the couch, it's somebody looking into the eyes of my kids, almost Mr. Rogers style <laughs> and connecting and talking with them. But then every single church out there that takes a, a video, they're, they're producing content for their church on the weekends and they're filming it in the stage on the, on the stage in the auditorium of their church. And then just putting that video mm-hmm. online as if everybody in the world absolutely must have to hear that particular sermon, mm-hmm. right? What, what if the stuff that we say is the most important, the, the teaching of the Bible, the series that God is putting on your heart and absolutely must get communicated to the church. What if we get honest about the way that people are actually consuming information mm-hmm. nowadays mm-hmm. and create the content, content specifically to be engaged in that particular manner? Yeah. Why not get you as the pastor or che- uh, teacher at your church? Why not throw you up in front of a camera Um and post that sermon and get it on YouTube and begin driving people there. Yeah, you can completely flip the current paradigm, which is we're going to plan really, really long for the weekends. And then if a tragedy happens, we're going to make a special announcement that goes online or exactly. goes on some Instagram post, Instagram post or some podcast mm-hmm. or something like that. Right. What if you completely right. flip that so that those things that you're predictive of and planning out for so long, what if you place those in a place online so that people can find them over and over and over again? So your small group, uh, your, your small group leaders can have curriculum or, 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 or content as, you know, as conversation starters for, uh, uh, you know, small group time. Or if I had a friend who's, who's struggling with his marriage, I don't have to say, well, the marriage series doesn't happen until March and right now it's January. So don't come to church. I can't help you out with that. What if I I could immediately go, there's this great series uh, online. My pastor is talking about uh, uh, marriage and it's incredible, man. It's, you know, you watch, you can, you can literally share it right there. Never have to get them to spend a dime on gas, wake up early on Sunday, any of that sort of stuff. You feel like they got a tithe. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But you can flip that so that that happens there. And then the weekends end up being more immediate, more uh, 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 like what impacted the pastor this week. Mm -hmm. I think this one of the things that happens when pastors are so focused on series is there ends up being this Mm -hmm. divide or a sense of detachment that, hey, man, 
I'm I'm still getting over this mm-hmm. big thing that happened. We all are. We've all heard this, saw this, felt this together. And you just want to go talk about so-and-so. Like, mm-hmm. how come you're not impacted mm-hmm. by it? Well, the pastor is impacted by it. He's human just like mm-hmm. everything else. Yeah, absolutely. And so if you could leverage that humanity, leverage that vulnerability, and, and even be able to say, hey, this is the scripture that is giving me peace this week. This is the scripture that is reinforcing my celebration this week. This is the scripture that is, you know, whatever that ends up tying, especially with people who are new to church, who are guests uh, to the church, who didn't really walk in knowing that you're in a series, caring that you're in a series, but instead are part of the general zeitgeist, this, this moving Mm -hmm. uh, collective uh, uh, mentality of culture that has all been impacted by whatever this thing is Mm -hmm. so that you can really speak about, uh, things that are yeah, not just relevant for the sake of mm-hmm. relevance, but are impactful because yeah. that is what people are experiencing. It goes back to the whole, what can happen in the gathering that can't happen anywhere else. Like you mm-hmm. we were saying earlier, singing, you know, music can happen, you know, good worship music, good teaching, all that. But what doesn't happen, and this is my take, what doesn't happen is me hearing my pastor address what God is teaching him in the word and what he feels like, you know, mm-hmm. when, to his community, Mm -hmm. you know, to the community. When we gather together, we get to hear that, you know, Mm. what doesn't happen outside is that we're a community, we're a church together, a community of belonging. We sing together in agreement, you know, to each other. That's an experience that we can't do just listen to the radio. Mm -hmm. There's something that happens when we're all together. Um, And when you craft your service to, allow for the flexibility, you know, you're putting elements in like um, prayer and confession and all these things. And and it just keeps going back to what we all like just agree on is what happens here that can't happen anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that togetherness is really important, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You guys know, I, I recently started attending a new church that I, with my family and I, we've been visiting <clears throat> and uh, 11 days ago, my dad passed away on a Saturday morning. And that following Sunday morning, we go into church and this is the first time church in a long time where we got there really early mm. because I just wanted to go and sit in the room. I wanted to bypass the lobby when everyone else was there. <laughs> I wanted my wife to go put the kids in kids class. And I just sat there, <clears throat> I think in the second row of the church, 20 minutes before service. And as everyone got up and started to sing, I did my best and I was really trying to participate but I was this emotional mess. Mm-hmm. And then one of the pastors got up for a, a prayer moment and she would be, she was sharing um, from revelation about, you know, this new heaven and this new earth and what it's going to look like for God to wipe away every single tear when there's no more sorrow, mm-hmm. no more pain. And then she actually did this little, you know, prayer moment about helping us understand God as our father. And I was like, an emotional mess. Mm. I could barely stand during that particular prayer time. And then at the end of that time, during the transition um, from that moment into the the message, mm-hmm. instead of a big video bumper or whatever, it's just a time to connect in the church. And normally I, I hate these particular moments, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Meet and greet, especially when I'm like crying yeah. and I'm a wreck. <laughs> right. um, but the pastor, she came by and she could just see that my wife and I were in tears. And she's like, are you guys okay? And we said, Hey, you know, Justin's dad just passed away and we're yesterday and we're, we're broken. And she just started to weep. And she's like, yesterday was the one year anniversary of my own dad's death. Mm. And that's kind of what led me to give that devotion. Mm. And it can, it, 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 
we just had this intimate connection where we, we just looked in each other's eyes and just hurt. Mm-hmm. And that right there was so sacred. And it happened because there was the space for it in the service. And there was the freedom and the flexibility for that pastor to use that moment um, in the way that the spirit was leading her as she mm-hmm. was sharing during that particular time. You know, one of the things that I'm just, I'm just like advocating for is like pastors, church leaders. What if we could try and take that whole attitude, mm-hmm. like that, that approach to the entirety of the weekend services. And I know that sounds scary, right? And it sounds like a mm-hmm. lot more work, but there's not a pastor out there worth their beans that couldn't sit down with somebody in a hard moment right. or in a confused time or a time of joy and celebration and connect that to God's heart, right? So many pastors are just deeply gifted in this shepherding style, love and communication. You know, one of the churches that we've been working with doing some consulting we all looked back and said, man, that church has a bit of a spirit of insecurity about them as they're mm-hmm. really trying to find their footing. But you know what? The thing that stood out the most, I think to all, th- all of us, mm-hmm. was the purity mm-hmm. of that pastor's heart reflected through the entirety of their church leadership. Yeah. And it's like, man, th- this church would crush, mm-hmm. would crush this because there's, th- mm-hmm. there's, um, there's a genuine heart connection there, uh, or not a heart connection, there's a genuine heart for... Um, just intimacy, right? Yeah. And intimacy isn't just about sorrow and lament. And for right. me, when I lose my dad, right. it's also about, you know, somebody else when, they, when they're having a birth the right. next weekend right. or the new job or whatever mm-hmm. is about connecting with people. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, I just think a lot of pastors are, act, are way more wired for this mm-hmm. than yeah. it might seem. Well, yeah. the, and don't you think, too, it's, it, doesn't, <clears throat> it doesn't matter the size of your church you can do this in a mega church, which would seem impossible sometimes, you know, Yeah. as well as a really small church where you can be a lot more flexible. I think it'd be easier for some mega churches, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. 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 Especially with communicators who in a moment's notice, you can go, Hey, uh, you're getting ready to speak in five minutes. So we need you to talk about fill in the blanks. Like most <laughs> pastors, most communicators could do that uh, in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. My uh, takeaway, the, what I'm hoping people would take away from this isn't the sense that, hey, the church is wrong and it's all broken and nobody's going to, you know, you, you got to make these big drastic things to fix it. That's really not it. But what I am saying is from a futurist lens, looking down uh, the road, the church can't continue to behave in the same way that it has in the 90s, let's say. I mean, yeah. it, it, mm-hmm. this is totally. being a, a, a guy who was in Christian music during the 90s and was doing all of you know this uh, uh, church staffing and working with churches and all that sort of stuff. Back then it was, okay, what's the world doing and let's try to do it better. I can remember being uh, an artist, a musician, and uh, there was a poster in a store that uh, a Christian bookstore said, if you were walking in to buy an album, you could look at this poster and it would say, oh, if you like uh, uh, the Beastie Boys, you'll love DC Talk. Yeah. And if you like, and yeah. for me, it was, if you yeah, like Lindy that. Kravitz, you'll love, you know, the the band that I was in. And it was like, no, I mean, I get it. <laughs> Black dreadlocks. Black dreads. <laughs> good, good enough, right? Close enough, yeah. You both look good in pretty tight jeans. Yeah, well, he's, yeah. Well, well, I'll, I'll let my wife uh, <laughs> be able to pick that one. I'm confident. Yeah, but but the strategy for the church back then was let's compete. Let's fight right. on the same exact mm-hmm. battleground. Let's get lights and let's get smoke. And the, again, this is, you have to understand this about me. My work has been 
figure out how to compete as best as possible. Mm-hmm. What can we, what sort of lighting do we need? How should sound be? And that was the work that I've done is doing all that competing. I think now being free of, of being out of the vacuum of uh, being on church staff and just looking as a futurist, looking down the road, I think the competition is completely different. And now it has to be what is what is the one thing that the church that the world cannot provide that the church yeah. can, mm-hmm. and these things that we're talking about. This is yes. our our attempt to go. We think this is the, the place, the place where we can compete. The idea of creating these sacred moments mm-hmm. are something that you can't get at work without having to go into HR. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's something that you can't mm-hmm. get uh, uh, in traffic. You can't get it on your favorite podcast. You can have impactful moments and all of those things, but it's not what we're talking about when we talk about sacredness. Mm-hmm. Additionally, that that flexibility to be able to speak right into the mm-hmm. heart that is uh, in pain, speak right into the heart that is uh, uh, celebrating speak mm-hmm. right into like this this global sense of whatever that emotion is or whatever that movement is to me that is is unique to the church and the, and, and it reflects what Jesus did Jesus would be walking down the road and he's okay I got to make a point okay there's some wheat pulls off the head of wheat and it makes a point. The kingdom of God is like, he's walking by the temple and he sees that immediately. Mm-hmm. He doesn't think about, oh man, I was going to talk to these guys about, you know, the water. Well, we're not around water. Oh, so who cares? I'm going to talk about water anyway. You guys, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I was planning on doing the Beatitudes. Right. <laughs> but instead he jumps right into that moment. He's sitting there at the, the, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the, uh, with the woman at the well and he uses that exact moment to mm-hmm. be able to make his best point. Totally. To me, the church has to find a way to increase their ability to be as flexible as that so that when people are most impacted mm-hmm. by an event, by a moment, by a spirit, whatever those things are, that the church can immediately jump in and address mm-hmm. that as opposed to waiting two weeks, three weeks, four weeks yeah. later to generate a plan, push it through the board, yeah. get the production folks involved, get this and that and the other. Oh, you got to jump right into the moment right there. To me, this is as Christ-like as is possible from a programming team is to figure out how you can be mm-hmm. as flexible uh, uh, as possible to be able to do that. This is how we can tell you guys are pastor's kids and I'm a church administrator's kid Yeah, because I just keep sticking <laughs> with these ideas and you always, you both, you always figure out a way to bring it back to Jesus. And I was like, okay, there's the, that's, the, that's the pastoral part. I love Jesus. My mama yeah. just ran that office and made that yeah. church happen. So I don't know about the Jesus. So listen, I, I know we've tossed a lot of ideas and we've, and we've kept you uh, for a while. Um, I think this is fun. I'd love to do another one of these by the end of this uh, season as well. Just another sort of swing for the fences idea. Uh, For those of you who are out there, pastors, especially if, if there are things that this has made you think about and you want to talk about it more, feel free to shoot us an email. You can start off with Maria, Maria at black at, sorry, <clears throat> feel free to shoot any of us an email. Uh, Maria is Maria at legible.church. I'm Dex at legible.church. That's Justin at legible.church. We'd love to keep this conversation going. Yes. Uh, especially if there are ways that we can help you to think through some of the things that you think uh, need some changing in your particular context as well. Um, but I've had a blast. I, I love hearing you think, Justin, Maria. I love Same hearing, you. yeah, I love hearing uh, the the things that you're considering, especially because you are uh, of of the three of us still boots on the ground, <laughs> leading uh, worship, yeah, leading <laughs> and 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 are in the context uh, text of church. Actually, maybe that's what the next conversation should be. It's mm-hmm. just you going. Here's why you guys are wrong, and I can tell you that. <laughs> Because I actually have to do this. Ooh, there you go. There you go. Shout out to Pastor PJ for making these things happen in your church, dude. You're the man. Yeah. 